Alrighty, what's going on, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of the Trent Corville Show. I am him. I greatly appreciate everybody joining us here on this beautiful, beautiful day. And ladies and gentlemen, we're coming off one of the best, if not the best, weekends of football in history. And now we're going into one of the best championship weekends we've seen in quite some time. Now, the divisional round has come and gone. It was beauty from Saturday to Sunday. Football on all day. What more could you ask for? I mean, on Saturday night, we had the Bengals Titans, 49ers Packers, and then UFC 270 with Francis Ngannou and Serial Game, which, by the way, was a horrible fight. They both looked incredibly out of shape, but at the same time, it was still crazy to see those two humans fight. But we had games Saturday and Sunday, two games each, and we're going to get into those, and I'll give you my predictions for the conference championship game. Let's start out first with the Bengals and the Titans, the Cincinnati Bengals going down to Nash Vegas to take on the Tennessee Titans. Now, this is the Tennessee Titans team that is full go, full strength. Derrick Henry was out for 11 weeks during the regular season. He's coming back for the playoffs. That's scary for any team. Any team that has to run into that human at full strength, incredibly scary, especially a guy now who has five plates and screws in his foot. I mean, basically an Iron Man, even though he's six foot three, 240 pounds playing the running back position. Don't know how that happens. But the Bengals win 19 to 16. Now, let me describe this game to you in two words. A man by the name of Ryan Tannehill, okay, the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Now, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry got up to a slow start and didn't really get moving the rest of the game. Now, the Cincinnati Bengals run defense is relatively strong, but I was personally assuming that Derrick Henry was going to go in there fresh off of the injury, feeling at full strength, and run for 150 yards and two touchdowns, like what he normally does. But also in games, I mentioned it last week, Derrick Henry, it takes him a while to get going. Like so That's why in the third and the fourth quarter when defenders are tired, he really steps on your neck and runs. He did not do that in this entire game. So what happened? The Tennessee Titans had to rely on Ryan Tannehill to throw the football. Now, he's thrown to two very good options at the receiver position in A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, for God's sakes. But he threw three picks. If I could describe this game, okay, Joe Burrow was sacked nine times. But Ryan Tannehill threw a pick on the first play of the game. And Ryan Tannehill threw a pick on on the last play of the game. And I understand you can't pin a loss on one person, but the Tennessee Titans sacked Joe Burrow nine times in this football game, and you lost. How does that happen? Well, it happens when your quarterback is throwing three interceptions and, and can't hit receivers down the field, even though he has A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. So this game's going on. The offense for the Cincinnati Bengals is moving relatively slow because the offensive line is god-awful, and that's going to be a problem that they need to address in the offseason and in the draft. And that was the big conversation, right, going in to last season. It was basically like, okay, they need to protect Joe Burrow. Penny Sewell, he's at the Detroit Lions now. He's an incredible tackle. They need to get him or else they're going to be in serious trouble. What do they do? They take Jamar Chase. Worked out with Jamar Chase, to say the least. I mean, in the regular season as a rookie, he had 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns, almost 100 catches. And in the playoffs, he was doing the same damn thing. 100 yards receiving in the divisional round. 
away from your home stadium, not even at home. And he was very good on the road, but he was incredible at home this season. And to go into Tennessee and perform the way they did, Joe Burrow is 25 years old. Jamar Chase is 22 years old. T. Higgins is 24. Tyler Boyd is 26. Are you kidding me? This team is going to be around forever. Forever. And the connection between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and I'm so fascinated with them. Actually, last night, I just went on my phone and watched some of their highlights from college because I, I thought I was forgetting how good they were. I mean, Jamar Chase had 1,800 yards and 20 touchdowns the year him and Joe Burrow went to the, uh, went to the national championship game. That's unbelievable. He was a sophomore. He was 19 years old playing like that. And he sat out an entire year of college football and still was the fifth pick in the draft. And everybody was doubting him. Everybody, oh, he sat out a year. There's no way he's going to be ready. There's no way. This guy's just different. He is a different, different talent for that Cincinnati Bengals offense. And you know who else is different? We know we don't talk about kickers often on here. Evan McPherson played for the Florida Gators, okay? Florida Gator boy. The swaggiest kicker outside of Pat McAfee that I've ever seen in my entire life. Joe Burrow comes on the press conference after the game and basically says Evan McPherson was taking a couple warm-up swings. So basically what happened, final drive, Joe Burrow, there are about 40 seconds left. They drive down the field, get into field goal range. I believe it was a 52-yard field goal. They get there. Jamar Chase gets out of bounds on an out route, get the first down. Evan McPherson was standing on the sidelines. He takes a couple practice kick swings, you know, with his leg, leans back and says, well, it looks like we're going to the AFC championship game and then walks on the field and kicks the game winner. That's the kind of unadulterated confidence you have to have in yourself as a kicker, because if you don't have that, you're going to really struggle. And I actually listened to an interview he had with McAfee because he was asking about it. And, and I was very, very fascinated with the mindset. And it's like, no, I, I think I'm going to make every single kick. And he even said, I don't think I know I'm going to make every single kick. Because if you even have a doubt in your mind that you're not going to make the kick, you're probably not going to make the kick. And to go out there as a rookie kicker, rookie, out of Florida, to kick the, the game winner to go to the AFC Championship game, hats off to the Cincinnati Bengals. They'll be taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, who we'll talk about in a minute. But what a great game. Joe Burrow gets the win. The Titans now have to rebuild. I'm assuming they're going to get a new quarterback, even though they signed Ryan Tannehill to a $120 million deal. Don't know how you come back from that. Don't know how you come back from that. The guy's not the answer. You have the talent at receiver, too. That's my big problem with this, is you have A.J. Brown and arguably one of the greatest receivers in NFL history and Julio Jones, and you're not using them to their skill set. It's unbelievable to me. Unbelievable. But what a game. The next game on Saturday, ladies and gentlemen, it was a frozen tundra. It was frozen. It was cold. It was damp. It was wet. The autumn wind brings Lambeau Field. A sad day for Packers fans across the globe as the Packers fall to the 49ers 13-10. At home, by the way, they were 8-0 at home this season. Now let me break this game down for you because quite honestly, uh, with about a minute left and the San Francisco 49ers driving, I was watching the game on my phone. I may or may not have tossed the phone across the room at the friend's house I was at because I knew the game was over when it was tied. I knew it. 
Packers D, they, you know, at the end of the day, the Packers defense, they played, they, they, no touchdowns by the 49ers. They played unbelievable. You know what it came down to? It came down to the special teams. Special teams. Let me, let me explain this. Maurice Drayton, Citadel graduate. He's the special teams coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. And all season long, the only concern I've had with the Green Bay Packers has been their special teams. Special teams can win and lose you ball games. Special teams can. I've, I think I've said it before on this program. The only thing is the special teams. And we saw it perfectly in the first game. Special teams won them that ball game. Evan McPherson went out and kicked that field goal. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's real. That is very, very real that special teams can win and lose you ball games. So, the Packers, early on in the game, had a blocked field goal. Okay, so that's taken three points off the board. They're about, uh, on their own 10-yard line, a blocked punt, which was taken back for a touchdown, the only touchdown for the 49ers. And then on the last play of the game, when Robbie Gold trots out on Lambeau Field when in the snow, the Packers lined up 10 men on the field. 10 men. I don't understand, as a coach and as players, in the biggest moment of your season to line 10 men up on the field. I've never seen that in my entire life. And you guys know, uh, yeah, sure, I could be called, you know, an Aaron Rodgers, you know, lover boy. And I am. I have no shame in that. I have no shame in that. He's the best quarterback talent we've ever seen in the NFL. It's not even close. And listen to all the pundits who, you know, hate on him for his vaccination status and hate on him for his comments and everything like that. They lead off by saying this guy's the most talented quarterback either I've ever played against or I've ever seen play football. But the playoff record is concerning. Look, guys, he's 11 and 10 in the playoffs. Now, I personally, I break that down to roster. I break that down to how many weapons you have. What do I talk about on this program all the time? Weapons, weapons, weapons. You have to have depth. There's no depth at the receiver position. They have depth at running back. They don't have depth on the offensive line. And the Packers struggled. I mean, the first drive of the game, I think it was what? They went on a 10-play drive, about 75 yards, easy touchdown. Devontae Adams, three, four catches. And look, I think Aaron Rodgers was forcing the ball to Devontae very much. Devontae was getting double teamed. The other receivers weren't making the plays that he needed. So he was trying to go to the best receiver in the game. But at the end of the day, this came down to special teams. This came down to the little things, the tedious things that you have to do. Blocking, tackling, lining up correctly, getting set, making sure the guy on, on, on the field goal block is counting the players to make sure they have enough guys or else call a timeout. That didn't happen. If that block punt doesn't happen, the Packers win because the 49ers weren't scoring. Jimmy G hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in like the last couple games, and they're going to the NFC Championship game. Unbelievable. And, and hats off. I mean, hats off to the 49ers defense. Nick Bosa coming out the edge. Fred Warner playing middle linebacker for him. He's an absolutely unbelievable talent, but the Packers didn't execute. I don't know if it was play calling. I don't think it was play calling, even though Matt LaFleur put a lot of it on himself, basically, and was like, I got to do better. I got to put my guys in position to succeed. Aaron didn't have a great game, but he, you know, he did what he could with the options that he had. I think, you know, the running game for the Packers has been very important this season with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, and the 49ers stuffed him. They stuffed him. They stuffed everybody in the run, so you had to rely on the pass. And usually when you rely on the pass with Aaron Rodgers, it works to your advantage, but it didn't this time. They were doubling everybody. 
So the Packers are officially eliminated. The 49ers move on. Am I happy about it? No. Is Aaron Rodgers going to win back-to-back MVPs fourth all-time? Yes, of course he is. There's no doubt about it. The touchdown-to-interception ratio is unbelievable. But obviously, this you know, there's speculation now. What's Aaron going to do? Where is he going to go? And he said he's going to make a decision before franchise tag day, which I believe is early March. So before that happens, we're going to see what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. Now, some news came out yesterday that Nathaniel Hackett, uh, the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers, even though he doesn't call the plays, um, he still is very, very involved with the offense because Matt LaFleur calls the plays. He's been hired as the Denver Broncos head coach. And last year, where was Aaron Rodgers going to go? the Denver Broncos. So it seems like it's teaming up perfectly. Now, the crazy thing about it is Aaron has said multiple times that he doesn't want to play without Devontae Adams. And I don't think any team can acquire the best quarterback and the best wide receiver in the game with a trade or anything like that. I I don't think that's financially possible, just possible in general, but we'll see what happens. I hate that Aaron's out of the playoffs, not being able to be in Super Bowl contention. I really thought this was the team you know, and they had all the guys coming back. Jair didn't play too much. Darius Smith didn't play too much. David Bakhtiari didn't play at all. So there was, the, you know, they didn't have their full team, but make no excuses. The 49ers beat him up in, in Lambeau, which was the biggest surprise. But maybe the mystique of Lambeau's dead. Maybe nobody's scared of Lambeau anymore. And that's fine because people still got to come play in the cold and some people won't be able to deal with it. But Jimmy G, I mean, came in there. With a, it's not even him. And I know that the whole like, oh, when is Trey Lance going to take over? I don't think he should because Jimmy G's winning them football games. Jimmy G is performing at a high level, even though he's not throwing touchdown passes. He, I mean, he's perform, he's performing. Let's say that he's performing. He's doing what he can. I don't think Trey Lance would have helped them win that football game, quite honestly. So. Yeah, 49ers move on to the NFC Championship game. I'm not happy about it. I wish the Packers were moving on, but hats off to them. Good defense. Next game, Rams at Buccaneers. Final score, 30-27. to Now, ladies and gentlemen, this game was 27-3 to at one point. Okay, the Rams were beating the life out of Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. And slowly but surely, you saw Tom do what Tom does, and he was moving down the field scoring touchdowns at one point in this game 27 to 3 I looked up at the TV it was 27 to 27 I said here we go again one more time around the sun again Brady's gonna make a miraculous comeback he's gonna do it at home and ruin the LA Rams season they have this Super Bowl they got all that I mean it was a beautiful game to see but hats off to Matthew Stafford I mean Coming up clutch in a moment that he's never been before. You know, he's never been in this position. Granted, the roster he has is unbelievable. And to all the Odell Beckham Jr. haters out there, the guy can still play football. And he is still very good at football. And everything we are hearing out of the LA Rams and, you know, through the organization is that the media loves to blow out of proportion who he is and what he does. You know, and I, and I think that's very, very real. Yeah, he's had blow ups on the sidelines, but I've listened to former players talk about it and be like, 
there is a lot of times the cameras don't catch blowups on guys. There is a lot of times where mo- the people are slamming helmets, hit, you know, kicking the bench like and every time Odell gets caught, oh, he's a malcontent. He doesn't love his team. He only loves himself. He's not getting the ball. I saw a clip yesterday. He um Van Jefferson was mic'd up and they were giving Van Jefferson praise and uh and o- Odell was like, "Good job, young and good job, young and and then they were starting to talk about the team. He said, "Odell Beckham Jr. said this to all you haters. He said, it's not me, it's we. It's not me, it's we. It's not me, it's we. And was repeating that over and over throughout the entire game. If that doesn't show you character on a guy, I don't know what does. Especially if this doesn't show you character either, Cooper Cup has the triple crown, receptions, yards, and touchdowns. They play on the same team. Odell Beckham is the secondary receiver on that team. Okay, he's not the number one option. That's why it's so funny to me when people are like, oh, you know, I'm sure he's very frustrated. He's not getting the ball. No, he's not because they're winning. He hasn't been on a winning franchise. They have a legitimate shot to go to the Super Bowl. But the final drive by the L.A. Rams, it was tied 27 to 27. Matthew Stafford goes Matthew Stafford and throws an absolute bomb with time expiring. It's going down the field. Cooper For some reason, I don't understand how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers allowed Cooper Cup to be on -on one-on-one coverage in in one of the last plays of the game. And I've listened to a couple, you know, former defensive backs talk about this. Sean Murphy Bunting, who is a good defensive back, he was playing one-on-one coverage against one of the best receivers in the game, the Triple Crown winner, which is very rare in the NFL. Nobody ever does that. Triple Crown winner now. One-on-one coverage. This is kind of like, you know, the the Bills-Chiefs game. How do you let Travis Kelsey have one-on-one coverage? I don't understand that. How do you let Cooper Cuff be one-on-one in the slot? Matthew Stafford throws a 50-yard bomb down the field. Cooper Cup catches it. Matt Gay comes on the field. 30-yard field goal. Rams move on to the NFC Championship game. Buccaneers now out. Now the big question is, where does Tom Brady go from here? And normally... When Tom, after a season, depending win or lose the Super Bowl, isn't it funny how I have to preface that? Like, not just win or lose. If he wins or loses the Super Bowl or not, because he's usually in the Super Bowl, it's absolutely unbelievable. But Tom usually immediately shuts down the rumors. He shuts them down. He's like, nope, this ain't, I'm coming back. No chance I'm leaving this team. I still got it. A different tone from Tom Brady. A different tone. He starts talking about his family and his wife doesn't like seeing him take the hits. And he's got businesses and he wants to be a father and he he needs to focus. And look, I think Tom Brady's done. I think we saw the end of Tom Brady. And honestly, I mean, obviously we respect greatness on here. I wouldn't want to see him go out that way. Personally, now that I think about it, I would like to, you know, have another year of Tom Brady. I mean... If he comes back next year, he'll be 45 as the starting quarterback. Like, you only see that in punters or kickers. That's unbelievable to think about. But Tom, I think he's done. The way he's speaking about it, I think he's done. We've seen enough. Tom, you did enough. You went to 10 Super Bowls. I mean, laughable, right? You won seven of them. It's over. Time to move on. And I don't know what the Tampa Bay Bucks will do. I mean, Kyle Trask is a backup. Blaine Gabbert's a backup. Do you try to be like, hey, Aaron, what do we need to get you down here? You know, hey, Russell Wilson, what do we need to get you down here so we continue this run? Or Bruce Arians' head coach might be like, well, I did what I can do. I think, I, I think I'm done. I mean, I brought the guy here. We won a Super Bowl, and I can't do anything, so I think I'm going to go. You know, so Tom Brady, I, I think... 
I think he is done. The Rams move on to the NFC Championship game to take on the 49ers. We will preview that in just a minute. The final game of the divisional round, arguably, actually, I will say the greatest NFL football game I have ever watched in my entire life. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills going to Kansas City in Arrowhead to take on Patrick Mahomes. This is a rivalry, first of all, we're going to see in the AFC for a very long time. A very, very long time. These guys have long-term deals. We're going to see them forever. At one point, I believe, with about 2 minutes and 50 seconds left in this ball game, the Kansas City Chiefs were up 26-21. to 21. Now, the final score was 42-36. to 36. If that shows you anything about the offenses that these two teams have, un- absolutely unbelievable. Now, the Bills drive down the field. They go up by three points, okay? It's 36-33. to 33. Touchdowns happen. I mean, in two minutes, 50 seconds, 20-plus points were scored, which is just th- wrap your mind around that, how explosive these offenses are. Bills go up three with 13 seconds left on the clock. 13 seconds. Bills fans are celebrating. Teammates are celebrating together. It's, un- it's an unbelievable scene. And for some reason, the kicker on the kickoff doesn't squib it down the middle, doesn't hit a little pooch uh, up to one of the front men to see if he'll either run it out, if he's not experienced enough, maybe he'll call a fair catch and that'll go right to the 25. But he kicks it out of the end zone, giving Patrick Mahomes the ball on the 25-yard line. Something you don't want to do, but normally when you think about it, okay, wait, 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 they've got 13 seconds left. They've got to get, you know, to the 40 yard, the, their, uh, you know, their own 40 yard line. That's not, that's not good. That's not going to happen, right? Well, the Chiefs had timeouts. They had all three timeouts left. So smart by Andy Reid. So smart to know that it's going to come down to this and you're going to need timeouts. First play, 13 seconds left. Bunch formation to the left. Tyreek Hill leaks out on a little screen. You got Travis Kelsey and another tight end blocking for him. 20 yard gain. Okay, boom. Immediate timeout. Eight seconds left. What do you do on this one? What do you do? What do you do? And I was watching the mic up. Travis Kelsey said, hey, 10, they're going to double you. I might be one-on-one. And then he looks at Patrick, and he's before before they call the play. And this is football IQ to the max, ladies and gentlemen. Travis Kelsey, before, before the defense is lined up, before they're lined up, says, hey, if they're playing me soft, I'm going to run a seam, throw me the seam. That's not the, that's not the route he was called. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't told to run a seam on the play call, but he told Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to run a seam, wait for me because it's going to be open. And then as soon as they line up, you hear on the mic'd up Patrick Mahomes screaming, do it, Kels, do it, Kels, do it, Kels, before he snapped the ball. And Kelsey goes, okay, and then runs the seam. How, with eight seconds left in the ball game, do you have one-on-one coverage with Travis Kelsey? I will never understand that. I will never to this day understand that logic. How about you man him up and put somebody over top, push him around a little bit, make sure he can't get 15 yards down the field before you even touch him. That's not a recipe for success. Boom, they get that completion, timeout, field goal, game's tied. Now, the overtime rules have been talked about at length, at nauseum. Here's my take on the overtime rules. First of all, it's much better than the college rules. I think the college rules are absolutely BS. The new overtime rules in the NFL, if you get the ball first and you score a touchdown, the game is over. If you get the ball first and you kick a field goal, the other team has an opportunity. Now, if they go down and score, game's over. 
And these two teams, right, with the way that they were playing in the fourth quarter, I mean, 28 points in the fourth quarter. Unbelievable. You knew one of whoever won the coin toss was going to score. You just knew that. You knew that in your mind that whoever wins this is going to go down and score and win this football game. And it's tough for a game to end on a coin toss, you know, like, all right, whoever gets it is going to win. And that's why Kansas City, when they won, they were so excited and they immediately went, we got the ball, we got the ball, because they knew Patrick Mahomes is going to go right down the football field and score a touchdown. He obviously throws a fade route to Travis Kelsey, game over, but it's about the Bills' defense. This is the number one ranked defense in the NFL. Number one ranked defense in the NFL, and you gave up 42 points. You gave up three plays with 13 seconds left in the fourth quarter to the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know how you do that. The overtime rules suck. Yes, we all understand that it probably should be changed. I would have loved to see Josh Allen get in, you know, an opportunity, and it would probably would have gone back and forth for quite some time. But when I look at this game, it's simple. Bills, you're the number one defense in the NFL. You have to capitalize. You're the number one defense. I, I just can't under, wrap my mind around how you give that up. I really can't, but the Kansas City Chiefs move on, and they will be taking on the Cincinnati Bengals in the divisional round. And let me go through those real quick. I'll give you my picks, and then we'll get out of here. So the Cincinnati Bengals are a seven-point underdog to the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend. Personally, I think that's too many points. Now, Week 17, Cincinnati and Kansas City faced off in Cincinnati. One of the best regular season games I've seen in quite some time. That's the game where Jamar Chase went off for 264 yards and three touchdowns on 11 catches. Absolutely unbelievable. I think they're going to do similar. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. If we're going against the spread here, ladies and gentlemen, I would definitely take Cincinnati to cover the seven. I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think. But at the same time, Kansas City's rolling right now. Wouldn't surprise me if they blew them out by 20. It wouldn't surprise me at all. But Cincinnati's going to go in there. They're going to put up a fight because they've done that the entire season. I think Kansas City will win, but I do believe Cincinnati will cover. Look for a big game. Look for a big game with Jamar Chase, no doubt about it. San Francisco going to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. The Rams are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Give me San Francisco outright. I, I mean, they, they beat the Packers. They've beaten the Cowboys. I think they're going to beat the Rams. I mean, in the last six matchups between Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, head coach of San Francisco, Sean McVay, head coach of Los Angeles, 6-0 and to Kyle Shanahan. 6-0. and He's got his number. He's got the Rams number. And to be an underdog, I'm definitely taking him to cover the three and a half. There's no doubt about it. But give me outright. I think San Francisco is going to win this ballgame. I think they're going to suffocate Matthew Stafford, and he's going to choke under pressure. Never been in an NFC Championship game. This is a big moment. And the last time San Francisco came into Los Angeles, it was week 18, final game of the season, and San Francisco wins in overtime. Basically, their fans took over SoFi Stadium. One of the best championship weekends we're going to have, one of the best divisional rounds we've ever seen, and I'm incredibly excited about it, and I greatly appreciate everybody joining us here on this beautiful day. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star rate, and be a friend, see a friend, tell a friend, share it with a friend, and I will see you beautiful people next week. Peace and love.